welcome to a new world of entertainment. The Ultimate Film and Television Podcast. Featuring Mike Winkler. Alistair Engelhardt. Daniel English. Jeremy Larson. And Jason Kabasi. Created by friends. All film lovers. We feature in-depth discussions and celebrity interviews. This podcast is available on all major platforms. Welcome to the Lights, Camera, Action Entertainment Reviews Podcast. On this episode, it in your face just like you knew the moment you looked at me that i was coming with you we're in you've never believed in the one i still don't i believe in him mr anderson welcome back we missed you i believe it is our fate to be here Here we go. Our Matrix Retrospective continues. On each episode, we will be discussing each movie in the Matrix Trilogy. We will be doing in-depth discussions, so this retrospective will contain spoilers. show you the door. You're the one that has to walk through it. And now, our discussion on The Matrix Reloaded. Welcome back, everybody, to The Matrix. Yeah, The Matrix, guys, number two, Reloaded. The um, make-or-break, much-beloved, much-loved, much-hated sequels. <laughs> you know, I don't really know how to describe it, because everybody is so opinionated on The Matrix. It seems like one of those series that's so... Either you love them or you hate the sequels. And I don't know where I stand yet. I guess we'll find out. So Dan English and Jeremy Larson are with me tonight. Mike Winkler here. We are without Alistair and Jason Kabasik tonight. But that's okay. We're going to entertain you all ourselves anyway. We'll do our best. Yes, well, we will. Okay, guys. So what's your guys' first reactions to The Matrix Reloaded compared to the first? Compared to the first, it sucks mm. butt. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Okay. I mean, if I am concise and frank, I just, uh, it's a super disappointing sequel. Mm -hmm. I will have to partially side with Dan on this one, 
because after watching it recently, I felt that it wasn't as good as the first time I had watched it long ago. <laughs> yeah. And it's just yeah. because I'm, it's, it's because we're critiquing it to hell. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's fair enough. Uh, you know, I, I just watched a repeat viewing today and with watching Matrix 1 and 2 so close together, some of the problems really started leaking through um, that I never really noticed before because I've never really watched 1 and 2 that close together before because I think the last time that I've really watched the two so close together was when I first saw them. And uh, that was still probably about a good three or four month period between one and two that I saw them. So yeah, it's, it's really starting to show. I mean, there's things I like about it. Don't get me wrong, but there mm -hmm. are definitely some, some problems that definitely uh, hamper even the revolutions as well. Yeah. It didn't uh, in terms of CGI, the movie did not age well, especially the agent Smith's. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, a lot of the scenes where uh, Neo goes Superman, I think that if you look at Keanu Reeves' face in those scenes, it looks very plasticky, computer, video gamey, cinematicy mm. kind of way. Yep. Um, also, but, what's uh, the payoff to have him flying around? Was not I, so when he flew off in the first one. I was like, huh. And then he just kept flying everywhere. And I was like, okay. I mean, I get it. If he could fly, why wouldn't he? But it just right. felt hokey at times. Like there could have been better ways to deliver a, an action tense scene than having him fly. Yeah, I couldn't find reasons. Like the scene where he just takes off after fighting the agents when Smith appears. Mm -hmm. Like why all of a sudden does he take flight and then fly through the clouds, and then go to the Oracle's place. It just kind of happens all randomly. Well, I think I think you're going to start scratching at what my biggest issue with the movie is, and that's that it sort of felt like a potluck of action scenes with cl very clear choreographed... The action scenes aren't terrible. They're pretty, they're pretty good. Mm -hmm. I mean... It, in the modern day with with the way we can do camera work and CGI so seamlessly, Avengers clearly has it beat with long one-shot action scenes. But the action is pretty good, especially for early 2000s. Or, yeah, it's 03 or something like that, right? Yeah, so, so it's not terrible, but it feels like a bunch of those action scenes glued together with some lengthy dialogue... I, I don't know, just the pacing and the delivery for me was so awkward. It was incredibly awkward. And the the fact that the, as well, <laughs> the action scenes were really good, but they became so redundant and boring when you yeah. look at Neo as his character. He, ha he, got, he has a Superman problem. It's where he's so strong, he's invincible, you you kind of don't have the feeling of oh he's in trouble it's just it's honestly more for the fun of showing off moves right yeah that's what i thought yeah and i think his power is what makes it so much less interesting than john wick because john wick is this slowly dying man like roughing through each scene um it kind of reminds me, have you guys seen the Marvel Netflix series? Like, um, specifically Daredevil, 
Oh uh, yeah, that's, prob- saw, that's probably the best example. I, they... I saw Dare. I saw all of them. Okay, yeah. So Daredevil had this fighting style where people became exhausted, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and like people would writhe on the ground and then stand back up, and that introduced a dimension of fighting that I I can't really come back from to see all these you know never tiring always. But then again, I guess they're all in the Matrix. So, the, so then, what do you think? I mean, you can't take a breath if you're not actually breathing air, right? That's a good yeah, point. It's, it's the it's the contradiction of the film. It's just that you're you're living in a computer world where suddenly Neo can do all these things that are sudden that are possible to only him. Like even uh, you know, in the the ending of the first movie, he dives into Agent Smith and blows him up from the inside. What what keeps him from doing the same? To yeah. the other agents in the opening sequence. Well, I had the thought when he when he it was like the multi weapon scene in that um, mansion in the mountains, mm-hmm. where he's fighting all these people, disarming them, getting his own weapons, and kind of a Jedi like move to grab. Yeah, the size, he had the force the suddenly. Yeah. But uh, but then like he finally doesn't block well enough it hits his hand and that doesn't really matter either. And yeah. so I thought to myself, why is he, why is he placing himself within the bounds of these martial arts systems that he's downloaded into his head? Why doesn't he just defeat these guys in a more creative way? Like, yeah, it's true. <laughs> I don't know. I know me well, myself when I was watching the, the fight scenes, first time I've seen the matrix since John wick, and I couldn't help but watch Keanu Reeves fight and just say, wow, this is definitely not John Wick. Mm-hmm. Not even close. I mean, to be fair, the movies are made pretty far apart year-wise, but I just couldn't help but just keep thinking John Wick watching him fight here. Mm-hmm. I oh, you haven't seen it? No, really. No, oh, it's really seen. great. It's So not that they're on the same level at all, but... Mm. Stephen Amell, when he was preparing to play Green Arrow in CW's Arrow, he got really into fitness and training. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like part of his social media was like, hey, I'm getting ready to play Arrow. I'm working out like crazy. I'm training. Yeah. Keanu Reeves did the same thing, only with like weapons. And so his, his Instagram was full of like, time at the range doing the tactical self-defense stuff it it really was great to have him like train because he's fighting and it's fun to watch because the fighting is so grounded mm-hmm. exactly yeah. i get it well yeah. we have uh somebody that just joined us hey sorry about that, guys. <laughs> welcome welcome I completely forgot that that was supposed to be today. I thought it was that's, tomorrow. That that's okay, dude. That's for, okay. For listeners, Jason has joined us. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. So, where are we at right now for this episode? Um, you know, we were, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say we're looking for a Matrix fan. Yeah. Uh, yes. How can I help you? A Matrix Reloaded fan. Yeah, a Reloaded uh, fan. Yes, how can I help you? Uh-oh. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Here we go. Where, where we left off is we were talking about our first reactions to it, um, and then we were talking about how it's aged. But we'll go back to you. Give us your first reactions on Reloaded to the first movie. Compared to the first movie, 
I mean, I, there's no question about it. The first movie is, was, and will always be better. That I mean, that's just a hundred percent given. Yep. But one thing that people need to take away from that is that. Sorry, hold on one second, guys. Is that uh, they is that the second movie was still really well done. Oh boy, I I I'm I'm sensing that there's yeah, gonna be possibility one second here, guys. Room. I gotta turn down something real quick. Okay, Go ahead. sure. You got Go it. Ahead. You got it. I am sensing that there's going to be some controversy in this room because well, we got a Reloaded Lover. You know, it's funny. I I don't think it's horribly made. It's just not. It's not what I'm looking for in a Matrix sequel. No. And one of my biggest criticisms of sequels is they often don't get um they don't get what was good about the first movie and i wouldn't say matrix reloaded is totally guilty of that they know it's fun to do slow-mo flips they know it's fun to shoot a bunch of bullets they know it's fun for to show off different styles of martial arts weapons mm -hmm. car chases mm -hmm. explosions they got the action part what i think they missed is that the movie was fun to ponder. It was fun to think about. And they they sort of gave it lip service in these short little dialogues between these extended action scenes. And one of the reasons that I dislike the movie is I hate the architect scene. I think it's such a bad conclusion. It doesn't it doesn't give you the conclusion it doesn't give you the thinking that you get from the first one at all. Yeah. It 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 makes you think but in a bad way. Well, and also it one of my you problems. See, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You Here see after rewatching it again the other day and the video links that I sent you guys with these different theories and all that about the architect. Mm -hmm. It really brought a whole new light onto that scene for me. And it's just really made me think, I, I just really love that scene. I really love how that scene played out. Could they have done more with it? Yes, I will agree. But I, I really think the architect is more of a key player than people think. <laughs> You know, well, I, I don't think he's unimportant. I mean, clearly, he's the architect. So that, that my problem is that I've been force-fed such a drastic change. So here's an example. Yeah, I think one of the one of the best, most quintessential twists in movies is the Sixth Sense. It's right there the whole time, but you don't really believe it, and then the moment it's revealed to you. You look back and you take inventory and you're like, yeah, wow, this has really been here the whole time. And and that weaving of evidence throughout this telling of a story makes that moment so worthwhile because it's like you've seen it there the whole time. And now all of a sudden you're like, of course, the architect for me was like, what now? Okay, so... Based on this monologue, this is the way things are. And it's not awful. Again, it's not awful. I just don't think they understood what I liked about the first Matrix. You know, watching it today and getting up to that 
point with the architect and, and I'm, and I'm analyzing every word that he is saying perfectly. <laughs> and, and, and as I'm listening and I'm listening very closely to it, so I don't miss anything. I don't get confused. And at the end of it, I'm like this, huh? <laughs> like, like, wait a minute. You, first you said this, then you're saying this. Now you're contradicting yourself with this. And I just felt like I, I'm looking into the writer's room and I'm thinking, okay, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. I, I just, I couldn't help but sit there and be like, wow, this felt like it was thought of on the fly. Oh, it, I think one of the effects that I, really... I will give that to you guys. I will concede that much. Like, they could have done a lot more with the dialogue, I thought, for this scene. But it's... A, there, I think there's more to this than we ever got between the second and third movies, which I'm really hoping that we see more about what's really going on with the architect and such in this next one. I hope so, too, because I think he needs a little bit more backstory, a little bit more about him, because we don't get enough yeah. in these three movies at all. Yeah, I, I think one thing I struggle with is when you have a character who prefaces his monologue with, you have a human mind, so some of this won't make sense to you. And then he sounds like some like 12-year-old Redditor explaining four dimensions. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I mean, and I think what's really telling about the quality of the writing in this last scene is how... Will Ferrell was able to parody it by basically <laughs> yes. repeating what the guy said. And yep. like he's like, ergo, uh, contra, just like making fun of how he's trying to sound smart just mm -hmm. because he's, he's supposed to be smart and it's, mm -hmm. it's unearned. Um, an example of something that was so so above my expectations was Annihilation. Did you see Annihilation with yeah. Natalie, Portman? Natalie Portman? Okay, mm -hmm. Huge spoiler. If you don't want to hear it, skip ahead 10 seconds. At the end, they, they convey this confusion with a dance scene, essentially. Yeah. And so it's like that to me is like, hey, you don't understand this. And it properly conveyed confusion and whatever else so you're good well, see, were you skipping that one jeremy yeah yep. he was uh, you <laughs> yeah. know you're right when he said that line about you're humans you understand things i'm like okay so 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 the makers of the film are already telling the audience you know what we're going to explain this and it's going to sound confusing but don't worry it's smart but you're not going to understand it like we do that's <laughs> right. what it felt like i'm being told yeah. i'm like oh so you're saying i'm stupid thank you for that and I think one of the more intriguing topics is the degree to which the organic beings plugged into the matrix affect it and the degree to which the matrix affects the people plugged into it and whether or not that effect persists once they're removed from the system. And I think that comes to a head in Agent Smith and neo and how they interact with one another and how they're kind of like two sides of the same coin but again in this one i feel like every time we saw agent smith he was doing a lot less humanizing actions where you're like boy what is he and he was he was just making the same punch catchphrase again and again about how there's so many of them <laughs> 
it's like, it's me. It's me again. The great thing is there's so many of me. And I'm like, I get it. There's a lot of Agent Smiths. <laughs> yeah, it's like he was on repeat the whole movie. Like, okay, this is his dialogue. Okay, copy and paste. Change a few words. This is his next line. That's how his dialogue felt in this whole movie. Not like the first movie where his dialogue was punchy and effective. And he was almost borderline creepy and scary in the first film. Where in this mm-hmm. movie, he just comes off as kind of like, dude, you're in the way. Go away. Get out of the way. Yeah. I don't want to hear you talk. I, I will say, though, with the downfall of Agent Smith's kind of character in this film, it vastly improves in the third installment. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it takes a complete yeah. turn, and I, I, I don't like it. I don't like Agent Smith in this movie as much as I used to, because... He, he seemed formidable until I came to the realization that Neo is still Superman. It's yeah, boy, that's a that's an insight that really goes a long way for me. So okay, so in the spirit of if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. I want us all to to conjure up what we liked about the movie because it's Some easy positives. to just okay. it's easy to be a critic. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, Jason, you go ahead and start with the positive because you were the one that came with the positivity to start. <laughs> um let's see here i liked the i liked the fact that the merovingian reminded me heavily of and this is from the one of the theory videos that i sent to the discord channel you guys uh how the merovingian reminded me of being a former oracle. So is this the is this the French guy? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. The sleaze ball. Right. And how essentially these uh, essentially all the henchmen that the Merovingian had were if you if you think about it, they all were like these exiled agents. Like yeah, parts of the program were. that were removed, that were no longer uh, needed, they were obsolete, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. all ended up uh, joining the Merovingians. So I think it was cool that he had his own army of agents on his side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was a nice um, touch. The twin, the twins too, was a nice touch with the invincibility and being able to transport. That was pretty cool. Mm, was it? <laughs> I'll come back to that later. I'll come back uh, to that. You know, it was cool to look at. I don't want to say I can't talk way. about the twins while we're restricted to be saying right. nice things. All right, we'll uh, circle back another to that. Thing, another thing would be I personally like the concept of the architect. Mm-hmm. Okay, I the, personally did. Okay, here, here's what I'm going to say about that. The concept of the architect is great. The execution was to be desired. I think yeah. if they would have fixed the dialogue a little bit more, then it would have made it so much better yeah. than what was portrayed. If they wouldn't have treated us like dummies, it would have worked. Oh, no, they could have treated us like dummies. I would have been fine with that. Because, it was like, condescending the entire time, basically. If, just... they, if they would <laughs> have done more with the dialogue then I think the uh, architect could have been a lot better of a character for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, 
But other than that, uh, just the all-around feel of the movie I thought was really good. I like the introduction of um, the new characters into the franchise from here. I did with like uh, Ghost and Niobe. Niobe, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I like that too. I can agree with you on that part for sure. Okay. Uh, the, I also thought the ending was a good little. Uh, cliffhanger i guess going into the third one yeah yeah I, yeah with the agent smith being in the one guy and still being alive yeah that yeah that, that was pretty good i'll, I'll yeah i'll give you that one too mm-hmm. and then of course you got neo using his powers outside of the matrix itself i did like to essentially drop I, I didn't down see that twist coming, which was actually pretty cool yeah i did like a, that that was a cool moment that was a nice touch Right, Jeremy. That's the positive stuff I had to say anyway about it. What did you like, Jeremy? What did you like? I I really liked when it, the good pieces of dialogue from Agent Smith right after Neo meets with the Oracle. Mm. That that powerful monologue that he delivers about how they're so connected and how he would like he was expressing all these emotions from <laughs> From both killing Neo and being destroyed by Neo in the process, mm-hmm. like I, I felt super compelled to listen to that monologue over and over again because it was just so well delivered. Yeah, mm-hmm. where it evolved into the the wonky, cartoony fight afterwards. I mean, that's okay. Uh, the other thing that I liked is the introduction of n- the new characters. I did like uh, the other ships that were also introduced. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 dock, as it were, the the really cool docking station for all the different transports. I thought that, that was, was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the mech suits are probably going to be a sore topic because they kind of resemble uh, the mech suits from uh, Aliens. But I think that having a, you know an open mech suit with two machine guns is pretty badass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it looks, it looks cool. I mean, yeah, I think just the fact that it's designed similar to Alien, yeah, you, you nailed that on the head. I couldn't help but think mm-hmm. of Alien like, oh, wait, is this in the same universe as Aliens? Oh, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. All right, Dan, you want me to go or do you want to go? I, I I think I can go because I agree wholeheartedly with Jeremy's assessment of Agent Smith's monologue. I think one of the most compelling questions about the Matrix is the same kind of question you ask in time travel movies, which is, you know, what is fatalism? What is free will? If something is omniscient enough to see the future, does that mean we don't have free will? Does that mean we don't have choice for someone to know what our choices will be? I think those are really compelling questions. And I think those are really um, those are really fun questions to ponder. And then there's even this element of like the intricate relationship between faith and action. And that's what really stuck out to me in Agent Smith's monologue was he talked about how, um, you know, he's like, I killed you and I saw you 
get back up, I I saw what I knew to be impossible. And and seeing that, being a witness to that event, he was then compelled to change his affiliation, to change his ambitions. And, and so his entire attitude and action was shaped by this event that he saw. And that, to me, was really just a cool concept. Um, you know, of course, I think about, like, the Christian faith. I think about just any time you talk about putting your rubber to the road and faith in action and how intertwined they actually are. Um, and then the cartoon fight, I'm like 90% sure that they used the sound of a bowling ball knocking down pins. <laughs> yes, they did. Yeah, they okay, did. <laughs> just making sure. I didn't go back to check, but I thought, I'm pretty sure. Um, I, I really liked Zion. I, I thought um, space movies, this is going to sound like a tangent, but space movies kind of creep me out because they're like so detached from a connected, like have you, Gravity is a movie that's mostly in space. And, yeah. and it really gives you the sense of like, boy, I, I'd really like to have ground under my feet. And when Neo gets pulled out of the Matrix in the first one, I kind of felt that way, like... So what, this ship is it? This ship with this food is it? Like, they just ride around in sewers? And so Zion kind of answered that question I had. That was, what is there for these people who are unplugged? What I would have liked to see is it be a little bit more than just a big party. I would have liked to see a little bit more of the development of the political structure, which they did a little bit. Um, there was definitely this this division between people who believed in the prophecy and didn't believe in the prophecy. I would have liked a little bit more immersiveness by connecting these people to human things that we know of in our culture. Um, but ultimately, I really liked the concept of Zion. Um, and then I think I, I did really like the mayor, the French guy, um, I, in general, I liked him. I liked the the keymaker. It felt mythical to have these roles, these archetypes in the universe that played a certain repetitive role. And in that sense, I think that's the potential of the architect is to say, you know, these are these roles that get drawn from the people within the programs and the humans plugged in, and they all kind of repeat in this, you know, ever-repeating cycle and and i think there's something compelling about that too you see i personally think that the architect's main role is he's a program that was designed by the machines to get give the machines an i like this going off just ideas that i've had from uh watching like the animatrix watching uh these movies over and over again that I think it was a matter of the architect design or the machines designed the architect as a program mm -hmm. that his, whose sole purpose was to create the matrix, create a perfect uh, human utopia to get an idea of understanding of what is it like, what is it about the uh, humans that compels them to be the way they are, feel how they feel every like. Mm -hmm to understand human emotions better. Yeah. And 
I, I, I don't know. It, I might just sound. It might be far fetched in my thinking. I, it, you never know. But that's how I feel. Like what the architect's major role is. And I think we've seen at least one other architect coming up here in the later movie that no that uh, people don't think about. Well, I look at the architect kind of the way you did, Jace, because I look at him as maybe being a creation of the machines to dupe Neo, to dupe people into thinking a different way. That's kind of how I view it, too, because it goes back to the explanation being so overcomplicated and, and the explanation just being so... I don't know, a little unbelievable. Um, but uh, positivity, though. I'll go stick with positivity. But uh, my, one scene that I really liked that stood out, I like the whole highway chase sequence. Mm. Um, I thought yeah. that that scene holds up very well today. Um, a lot of the visuals look good, minus some of the stuff with Morpheus on the truck fighting the agent. Some of that stuff looks a little shoddy at times. But the stuff with uh, with Trinity on the bike, you know, going through traffic and, and the gunshots hitting the car and all that other stuff. It, look, it looks fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought the music was really good in that scene. I thought that it, that was really, the I think, the first scene in the whole movie where I really felt the adrenaline going. I really felt like there were consequences in that scene. Whereas mm -hmm. the other scenes, action scenes before with, with Neo and Agent Smith, cartoony, you know, um, even the scene where he fights the two agents in the alley at the very beginning, cartoony. Everything is cartoony up until that highway chase scene where all of a sudden there's something at risk here because mm -hmm. any fight scene that neo was in by himself do we ever really feel like he's threatened because like we all said he's like superman right so yeah i think the highway chase kind of goes back to the first movie for me a little bit some of the scenes from that first movie that felt like there were consequences and uh and yeah. then I, I i guess the um i did like the, the the ending i liked how everything came together with trinity and 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 um neo's dreams coming to life that actually came became a reality and how he had to save her by reaching in, taking the bullet out and then electrifying her heart with his powers. Um, mm. I became intrigued by Neo's powers by the end of the movie. The end yeah. of the movie got me interested in revolutions up to the third act. I really can't say that I was really invested in what was going on until that point. Yeah. Yeah. Which is understandable to everyone has their own opinions on that. Mm -hmm. I, I, like I said, you were on the side of it. You weren't really fully invested into it until, you know, towards the end of the movie. I personally was on the side of uh, this movie just caught my attention right away. Fair enough. I think an effective driver in the first one for me was when the unexpected happened and they kept playing with the rules of the reality that we're, we were existing in. Probably first, you know, when the agent's like, hey, uh, how many, he's like, oh, I sent so many agents in there. And they're like, your men are already dead. And so you're like, wait. And you see Trinity is doing this amazing stuff. She's jumping through windows. She's running way faster. And so your interest is peaked. One yeah. of the things that, that disappointed me about the second movie is we knew the Definitely rules. <laughs> we knew the rules and we just, you know, we couldn't, I wasn't surprised. I guess that's a good way to put it. Like yeah. Neo flew. Yeah, he flew in the first one. He fought really well. He stopped bullets. Okay, I've seen all this. And so the moments that really caught my attention in the first movie were when I was like, wait, so what does this mean? 
and and what I saw made me question the nature of the reality that the characters were in. They didn't really push the bounds of that except for in the very last scene. And it wasn't by showing it to you. They just told it to you. Yeah. So that was the big difference for me is the world building happened through the action in the first one. And in the second, they did some action and then they did some world building through dialogue and then they did some more action. And that just wasn't have, enough. I have to ask you guys this question because this is how I, how I felt at the end of it. I, I was thinking about all the characters who I thought were underused in this movie that they were not they were not used to the full potential i thought they could have been and as thinking about it i thought morpheus was not used to his full potential in this movie he wasn't given a lot to do i agree he wasn't given a lot to do (laughs) three of you at one time we're all we're like boom go ahead (laughs) (laughs) but i will agree yeah they didn't really give him a lot to do but i think that was honestly for the better, at least in my opinion, because he felt more like a like he was playing more of just like a leader role to the community, like the whole of Zion in this film, not necessarily playing a huge part in everything else going on in the Matrix. But like he was there as like the moral, like he was there as the emotional backbone for Zion. Like that was more so what he was made to do in this film. It was the biggest morale boost that you could give Zion. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was a little bit disappointed in that, um, in that scene, just his speech. I, I feel like as the zealot for the chosen one, for whatever that faith is, he could have played such an interesting role. Um, I'm trying to. Re- I was trying to remember the character's name in the last Airbender, um, the animated series, mm-hmm. the the Airbender that flies, and he achieves. Um, it's Azir or something. Okay, I can't remember, but he he basically achieves these insane levels of skill because he has such faith in his system, and I feel like that's what we got from Morpheus in in the first one he wasn't the one but he could go toe to toe with a fledgling neo and he could you know he was supposed to be really super powerful and i'm not saying he wasn't but it was just constantly like neo rescuing him in the in the further action scenes especially yeah. in the second one it just seemed like he was always always saving him every moment morpheus was in danger there was right. always somebody saving him it's like he could never handle his own like even in that yeah. scene at the end okay so he falls over because of the agent. Niobe saves him with the car. Then after that, Neo saves both him and the keymaker when the trucks explode. It's right. always a moment, or in the hallway when Agent Smith in the hallway, him, yeah. Neo yeah. saves him. It's it's always Morpheus being saved, and it's like I'm not getting the impression this is the than guy. Yeah. Right? This is, I don't think this is the guy that helped Neo become who he is. It didn't feel like that. Yeah. See, I think I'm gonna come back with an argument there. I think because of his religious standpoint to this belief is that he has so much faith that he is throw he's throwing himself into these situations to be that kind of shield hmm. i guess like it it's it's not it could i mean it's poorly portrayed by bad writing but it, 
but when when you're looking at it as a whole, it's like okay, Morpheus has has done all he can for Neo. The only thing he can do now for him and for the rest of the people that he cares about is he's going to be that that meat shield with the mm. the, the faith that something it he he's he knows he's going to be there. He's just like he's like the character that kind of knows like a part of the script. Like, you know what? I got this. I'm gonna be there in the end. I've already flipped to the ending pages. I'm there. And he's just he's putting himself in these situations only to be rescued because he knows that's what's gonna happen. Hmm. Well, don't don't you feel that like Trinity handles her own just fine? She hardly ever gets saved, but yet Morpheus is always getting saved, and it's like I, I are they trying to say that Trinity is a better fighter and it just better overall than Morpheus? Because that's why no, I get from the second this movie. Goes, this goes back again to what I have to agree with Jeremy on this, is that his faith is so strong in the belief of the one that he essentially throws himself in as a martyr to save the people, in these situations, to save the people. But doesn't that kind of say that Trinity doesn't then? But here, here's here's another argument to that. I'm going to say that throughout this movie that Morpheus is emotionally compromised because he does not have the firm relationship with Niobe as Neo does with Trinity. That's, That's why those point. two work really well and they can get their shit together. Whereas Morpheus, his mind is going all which places. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, you see, you see him kind of get this boost of energy when Niobe catches him with the car. Hmm. Yeah, sure. I would have loved to see more Zion and more human culture expanding to build that to build that story arc. I mean, honestly, they could have shortened every fight scene by about three minutes, and we would have had another half hour of of content. I feel like yep. that 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 might have been there, and like that stuff got cut for action. You know, maybe not that it got filmed or was deleted scenes, but maybe when they were writing the script, they started trimming stuff out because they're like, well, we got to put an action scene here and an action scene here. And they start cutting out character moments. I mean, that's the mistake that we've talked about, like with, 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 with Justice League coming out, you know, that we have a four hour cut versus a two hour cut. That's mainly action and all the character moments are, are, are deleted. You know, they're they're cutting plot for the sake of action. And that's the worst crime in filmmaking. Hmm. Yeah, I will agree. Mm-hmm. Unless you know, unless that's what the movie is, and p- so part of me wonders, maybe that's just the flaw of Matrix Reloaded. Is that for its time, it was cutting edge action, cutting edge graphics, cutting edge choreography, and all things that we would have been like, man, this is awesome. Plays really well on the big screen. Ten years later. Not so much, you know. It doesn't have the intellectual appeal of its predecessor, and it doesn't age quite as well as some of the other, you know, titans of of computer graphics like Lord of the Rings or the first Star Matrix. Wars. I thought aged really well. Oh yeah, it's funny yeah. how the first Matrix seems to age better than the sequels, and yeah, I don't know why that is. Well, I think it's because it leans. Whole... Sorry, go ahead, Dan. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, that goes back to the whole theory of that uh, sequels are most like ninety percent of the time usually a step below what the first film that's released in all of these uh, franchises mm. 
what they are, what they stood for, everything about the first film, how it brought every, how it brought all the attention to that movie. The uh, creators saw all this attention. Were like, all right, yes, we've got the next big money maker right here. Yeah, and then yeah. they just start shitting out bad sequels one after another. Some of them, I will, I will say, are not bad. Some of them do surpass what the original film was intended to do. Yeah. But you have to take into account the fact that it just follows the same old concept that sequels are not going to be at the same level as what the original films are going to be. Well, it's not so much that I expected that the sequels would be at the Matrix 1's level. It's that the Matrix, when you watch it, the first movie has aged well with time, but the sequels haven't. And the question remains is yeah. why? Because I... the, the effects should have been better. We're talking four years later, and the effects work actually looks shoddier here than it did yeah. in the first film. I think it's because it leans away from the philosophical content of the first movie. I mm -hmm. think the first movie, like Brain in a Vat, is such a developed and mature idea that we talk about as a culture that it just plays really well on the screen and mm -hmm. the action is novel i think it's and i think jason really tapped into something talking about like passion versus profit you look at That's movies true. that sh just struck something special and matrix was one of them and then the business starts cranking and says okay, now we need to turn something out of this. Like Marvel is a great example. Marvel just was at the right place at the right time, trying the right cross-movie universe-building strategies. And, and it worked. And they just stumbled upon people who were passionate about the source material, good casting, and they just kind of let it grow organically into something that was awesome. DC trying to make money. Back. Yep. DC trying to make like you know money <laughs> has just mm -hmm. flubbed again and again and i think the same thing happened in matrix too well it's like what jason and i talked about with saw you know saw made that mistake they saw something that really worked and what did the sequels do they took some of the story out of it and they focused more on the traps and the blood and the gore because that's what supposedly sold okay now we look at movies like um when hollywood takes reboots and 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 um, when they reimagine something, you know, instead of taking a fresh idea, they don't know how to do something new and innovative. It's all about, hmm, why don't we reboot something that made a lot of money because we want to make a lot of money? Yeah. And what ends up happening is the story and and the uh, the good scripts goes out the window. It's like we just need a half decent script as long as we put something out that we can throw some action scenes in, you know, throw sex in there and whatever else. As long as it sells, we're good to go. And that is Hollywood's biggest flaw. And that goes especially with The Matrix is that mm -hmm. people – the first movie – had so much going for it with a good story and it had the intrigue and the mystery, but it had great action sequences. And mm -hmm. in that four year period between the first and second, people remembered the matrix mainly for its slow-mo, right? His, the slow-mo bullets, the slow-mo sequence when, when Neo is doing this, people remembered it for its action. So now it's like, okay, with the sequels, maybe we can, you know, come back a little bit on the story and just make it more of an action film. 
because mm-hmm. they think we can get more of an audience. We can sell the trailers more. We can sell the the promotion based on its action. And it's almost at that point where they forget about that. Oh yeah, by the way, we have a good story in here. So let's throw a few scenes of an architect explaining something that sounds like total BS. And there's our intrigue and our mystery going into the third movie. Hmm. That's what it feels like. Yeah. 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 Kendall made a point in her comment. Uh, for listeners, sometimes I think that sequels in general try a little too hard to live up to the standard of the first movie and maybe go a little too over the top with action scenes because they assume the audience already knows the characters from the first movie. That sounds a, a lot like what you were saying, Mike. I, the yeah. one thing I would contest with is it's possible to do that well. And I think a prime example of that is Star Wars. In general, some people might criticize them for forcing the fan base to already know what's happened like when you see darth vader in rogue one they don't really explain who he is or what he's all about he just he just comes in and shows his power and everybody loves it that's done well um but yeah i don't i don't think you can build a whole movie off of that no it's it's something hard to do and you know it's kind of almost the same mistake that um that a lot of movies make sequels, especially um, I'll give you an example of one good, uh, one good sequel for sure. That does a great job of revisiting the characters and lets you revisit them, but bring something new. And that would be back to the future part two. That movie does such a great job of, okay, you have to sure. see the first movie in order to know what's happening. But mm-hmm. they give you those little character moments with Marty and Doc and even Jennifer to let you revisit them and bring something new to the table. That is how you should write a sequel. You never write a sequel with the assumption of, okay, well, you should know everything over here. So if you're not watching this, you, 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 don't, need to, you don't need to know. And, and sometimes you can get away with that, depending on the story. Star Wars is one that gets away with that. Like Rogue One, yeah. Yeah. basically, they, they're like this. You're probably not watching this movie if you've never seen a Star Wars movie. And that would probably right. be true. You yeah. know? Um, well, and, and it would work even if you weren't, right? Um, would Rogue One work even if you hadn't seen a Star Wars movie? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I, to a I agree. I feel like they do a really great job of of balancing the characters here and now and their connection to the larger story. Does the storyline deepen in a crazy way when you start to understand what's going on? Absolutely. Does knowing who Darth Vader is make that scene better? Totally. But I think it works alone. You know, there's characters who were introduced to and are gone in that movie that are really strong characters, in my opinion. Well, yeah, so. there, there, are, there are some aspects that really work um, really well in Rogue One, like you said, with, with, with different characters. And we're bringing new characters to the table that we haven't seen before. Um, but, yeah, like Darth Vader, those moments of Darth Vader... Um, you're not going to know who he is. I mean, anybody that's seen a Star Wars movie or even knows of Star Wars know who Vader is. But mm-hmm. the movie does do that. It does just throw Vader in there as a menacing figure, which still works. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's still effective. Yeah. So, yeah. How to Train Your Dragon 2, by the way, yeah, is another fantastic sequel. See, I've never seen that one. So... Uh-huh. No, I get what you're saying. I know. I know. I know. All right. Back to Matrix. 
Yeah, we got off track again. Um, so I guess my better question would be, we've talked about positive, we talk about negatives with the Matrix. Um, I guess what I'd have to say is, is that do you feel as though this movie um, lived up to the first movie and that the explanations within it were worthy enough to con- to feel like the story should have continued in this direction or should it have gone in a different direction? I think it should have gone in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't I- know what direction, but there's a, <laughs> there's a definite need for a, a revision when it comes to this movie. I, I don't even... Th- I think Matrix 2 went in a different direction. And that was my problem. I It's not that I need it to be predictable, but it went from this grand metaphor... I don't know. I, I just felt like I didn't expect... Huh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I would have liked to see something a little bit more in line with this waking up to reality and what is the nature of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Although I I do agree. There's a lot of potential in the, the way they went, but I don't think they realized it. Yeah. Well, I found a lot of the explanations with, you know, they did such a great job of building this, the machines took over concept and, and Mm -hmm. where they, they were living underground and this and that. And I just felt like that, Instead of really embracing that, they kind of went off on their own little, I don't know. I'm having a a hard time finding words to describe it, too. Um, I I guess I was okay with what they were doing up until the architect. When the architect started talking about what the Matrix really was and what the One really was and and Zion and that he was the sixth version of himself to to have this decision put before him, I was kind of like, why did we go this direction? Why why are we not just staying on the path of the machines took over and Zion is this? Why are we trying to turn this into we created many versions of this. And if you do this, then Zion gets destroyed. Why are we trying to overly complicate it? We are in a story direction that makes sense. We are on a general path. And it's like, they felt the need that we did so much action in this script and in this movie that we had to throw something in to overcomplicate the story like the first movie, but the first movie didn't feel confusing like this one did. Well, and I, if you're going to go the recursion story route, bring in the trappings of a recursion story where characters start to think, have I been here before? Have I done this before? How do I break out of this cycle? I, I'm mm-hmm. trying to think of, of a prime example, but like not so tight of a recursion like Groundhog Day where you're waking up mm-hmm. the same every day, but just this right. idea of everyone's tried before you, it's never worked, and don't tell us that it's a recursion story in the last half hour of the movie, give us artifacts of that throughout the film and then show us how Neo breaks those boundaries. Like he broke the boundaries in the first film and why, you know, telegraph his success through his unwillingness to be stuck in a rut. I mean, 
the whole beautiful thing about the Oracle saying you're not the one and him getting back up after having been killed, stopping the bullets and blowing up Agent Smith was him being like, you know, what? I, don't, I guess I don't really care what you said to me because right. because I'm claiming free will and I'm taking this agency into myself and going to, you know, flex with it. And I think I didn't see that Neo in this movie. I just saw a Neo that was kind of like, what? Whoa. You wow. saw Bill and Ted. <laughs> I've never after, seen those. After after watching this today, um, there's something that really popped up that I'm now kind of hoping they don't do in the new movie now because I didn't really remember the explanation of there being many, many different Neos that came to the architect. I didn't remember that until today. Mm-hmm. And now I'm thinking, oh no. So is is the is Neo being alive in Matrix 4 just gonna be the seventh version of of him now trying not to make the same mistakes. Is that the direction we're going to go in now? At the very least, we'll know that's what it is at the onset and we'll get to enjoy the looping story. I really doubt that's the direction they're going to go, though. I hope not. I don't think they... Did they explain it as in him being separate versions of him no the one is in being different people yeah it was they always referred to him as his predecessors and it and it really was and this is what i thought was in it was he was a program or influenced by a program or the inevitable result of the structure of the matrix is probably the best way to word it and so he like six other ones before him have inevitably made their way to the architect and been faced with the choice of rebooting the matrix or facing, you know, not only the destruction of Zion, but also the annihilation of the matrix itself. My question is why do the, why do the machines seed a new Zion each time? If it's inevitable, why don't they let people wake up and recruit their own Zion people? Why do they seed it with six people? My second question is, if Neo is the inevitable result of the flaw in the Matrix or this personification of an anomaly, why is he indwelt with special powers? And that's probably the my most head-scratching question. Like, why does he have powers? Which goes back to Jason's theory on the fact that the... Was it Jason's theory about... Or Jeremy's theory about how the architect is... It's just a program made by the machines. Yeah, well, that, I don't even think that's a theory. That's canon, right? That's what he says. Mm-hmm. But what I don't understand is why does Neo... If the whole point of Neo is to bring the anomaly to a head and reset the system, it's kind of, it reminds me in programming. Like if, you, if you're writing in a code that requires you to do memory management, what you do is you claim and release memory and you you know you address memory in your code if you put something in memory and then you uh, move your address somewhere else mm-hmm. you start to do what's called memory leak and given enough time you'll have leaked enough memory outside of the scope of what you can access and what you can allocate and your and your computer crashes it just like eats up resources mm-hmm. And so I think the metaphor is really good that, you know, our system isn't perfect because of the human element. And so given enough time, it reaches catastrophic failure. And so to prevent that, we've created this 
person, the one, to essentially discover and reboot the Matrix. But what I don't understand is why they even need to do that. Like, what's the impetus for this whole thing? Yeah, it's a good point. And and I'm just I'm just hoping deep down they don't go in that direction because I mean, do you guys see an explanation that would actually make it where the Neo we're gonna see in Matrix Four and the Trinity we're gonna see in Matrix Four is going to be the same Neo and Trinity that we know from this trilogy? Do you see a reasonable explanation for it? I don't remember three well enough. I have I've been rewatching as we go so that I don't get ahead of myself, but mm -hmm. I don't remember three well enough to answer that. I mean, there isn't really any explanation that could say, you know, it's going to be the same ones we know. There's also no real explanation to say that it's not going to be, you know, the Neo and the Trinity that we know. So we at this point, it's a matter of we just have to wait and see. Yeah. There's what if no they go the get. Inception route and it's nested matrices? And so the matrix that they were in and out of was really one matrix level down or X matrix levels down. And so he was breaking out of the matrix into Zion, but Zion is really a matrix. Ooh, that like, could be intriguing. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be intriguing, but I don't know how that would fit into the whole storyline of this being the Matrix Matrix Resurrection. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... yeah. I mean, the resurrection term could be interpreted two ways. Is it Neo and Trinity's resurrection? Is it the resurrection of the Matrix as we knew it again? It, what, what's the meaning of that title, if that's the title that they're actually going Or maybe... Because... The Matrix is in a dusty hard drive that somebody blew the dust out of and plugged into their system. And so now they're like relics of an age-old system. You know, who knows? Maybe at the end, they, they reset the Matrix or something in some way that allows them to not even have to go through the recursion. Like their, their AI matured enough to completely control the humans, but they had to resurrect the old matrix in order to try and fight the machines with like Neo and the one, the program or whatever. So the matrix is Jumanji. <laughs> sure. Inception, Jumanji. I mean, we, we, everything. we live in a post black mirror you know, True. era now. And so I think we've really done a lot of exploration. Um, we've done a lot of exploration into digital creations of consciousness in the world and stuff like that. I'm not sure how I feel about that, Kendall. Yeah, so the Kendall says... along the same lines. Go ahead, Dan. Maybe the Matrix is along the same lines of the AI from iRobot. Like, do you mean like the three rules kind of system? The three laws? If they have, yeah, because if it's I think the three laws, I, well, the three law of, of, of it not harming a human or killing a human, that would be against the law because people die in the Matrix all the time. Yeah. Um, well, maybe in the sense that 
the AI matures to the point of a self-consciousness that then desires to disassociate from the directives or the system or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think the series should end with a little kid hacking on a computer and the whole matrix thing was in his computer. <laughs> the whole thing was just a video game, essentially. It makes sense with all the action sequences and, and, and the cartoony, you know, Neo <laughs> face being Superman. It would make sense. It's all a video game. Um, have you guys seen the OA? Mm -mm. No. Okay. Okay. I won't, I won't go there then. It's, it's a random spoiler, but it was a, it was a very jarring end and it was, it was cool. Okay. So what was your guys' favorite notable line from Reloaded? We're not here because we're free. We're here because we're not free. There's no denying. We, no, no, so what's the what's the actual line here? I got it right here. <laughs> There's no escaping reason, no denying purpose. For as we both know, without purpose, we would not exist. Hmm. Me, I like I like two lines. I like uh, hmm upgrades from Neo, <laughs> and then I like uh, where uh, Agent Smith is turning the other guy into into him. He goes me. Me, me, me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so for mine, probably would have to be uh, between Agent Smith and Neo here. Uh, and now here I stand because of you, Mr. Anderson, because of you. I'm no longer an agent of this system because of you. I've changed. I'm unplugged. A new man, sort of, so to speak, like you, apparently free. That's a good line. See, there is some good writing in here. It's like it's over here, it's really good. And then over here, it's like, eh, forget it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with Jason's moment. My favorite moment was when Agent Smith, it reminded me of the scene in the first one when he's talking to Morpheus about wanting to escape the Matrix. And it just was like such a human moment for this program to talk about, like, you know, how he was saw what happened and now he's you know inevitably changed mm -hmm. absolutely yeah and in terms of fight scenes i honestly i did like the scene in the in the foyer of that big house where all the weapons were used i i, mean, I don't know it's a little lacking in blood though too like he's got these size and he's not stabbing anything but a shield. And so, I, yeah, I did like that part, though. It seems like the only time we see blood in this movie is when somebody gets shot. Yeah, right? If someone gets shot who you didn't expect to get shot, <laughs> and now all of a sudden they're like, oh, there's blood on mm -hmm. me. Yeah. I mean, the only time I think we ever saw blood on somebody's face from being punched was Trinity in the final fight hmm. with the agent. That was That was basically it. Maybe blood is a very... Uh, sparse and intentional theme throughout the movie, and if we watched it through that lens, we'd see what we're missing. The Matrix code is buggy when it comes to red blood. Yeah. <laughs> it's a video game, and the kid turned off the blood and gore. There you go. <laughs> Turn off the filter. So it's only in certain cutscenes where it has to be there. But yet he left the mature filter on for so many <laughs> other things. Hmm. All right, so I guess on that note, where would you guys rate this? Well, 
Without talking about the third movie yet, it's obviously below the first one at this point. Um, I won't even right. get into Revolutions yet because we're not there. Nice. Um, right. But um, I, I think if I had to give the movie like a grade, I'd say like a C plus. I'm right there with you. I can't give it higher than that. Mm -mm. Hmm. I think for this one, I'll give it a blue pill. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, you got taken out of the reality. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. just want to forget it ever happened. Yeah, see, I'm I found myself wanting immersion. <laughs> I'm going to go along the lines. If you can't, don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all with you guys. So oh. I'm going to give this one a solid B. Uh, a A plus plus right A plus plus from Jason. No, that was the, fir that hey, was the first one. I mean, if we're gonna go back to nice and hateful things, we can go back to Solo again. I mean, you know, that was you know, <laughs> Solo was good. I, I know the three of us thought so. Hey, right? hey, hey, Mike, it's subjective, okay? So, so let's let's get a little bit of yeah. a reference for the subjective analysis. Is Solo better than Matrix Reloaded? No. Oh God, yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I'm gonna say yes. I can't even compare the two. That's the problem. It's 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 not fair. Two different universes. It's not a fair argument. They're very like far apart in release date, so you can't. You, you can't Here's a better question. Him. Which one do you enjoy more? He enjoys Reloaded. He enjoys Reloaded. Solo. Easy. Yep. Solo. <laughs> I have no problem being the Alistair of this episode. That's perfect. <laughs> well, hey, Alistair, if Somebody you listen to this, be. <laughs> Jason gave you the It's Sticky moment for the episode. <laughs> and I'll just go back and say it. Touch me now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Cool. We, Dan still yeah. doesn't have a catchphrase yet. I, I don't know what his is yet. I'm I'm far too mysterious to have a catchphrase. Mm. There it is. That's what it is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he created it himself. Yeah. I'm mysterious. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> May not be my catchphrase, but are we to the point where someone says that's a wrap? Uh, yeah, just about. I mean, yeah. So, uh, Revolutions is next. Oh, one question I really wanted to ask you guys is: now that Revolutions is coming up as we're ending the Matrix retrospective, is is JP next? Is that next? I think JP's next. I can do. I can do JP. JP. Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. I think Jurassic oh. Park's next. <laughs> See, I'm so on the. I, I gotta so, get I think Jurassic, Jurassic Park is next. Uh, when yeah. you say that, do you mean all of them or the old trilogy, the new all trilogy? All five. I have not seen any of the new ones. Well, now you have to. I know. Now you have to. Of course, you got time because we got to get through the other three first. Right, right. Although we have to decide if we want to do. I don't know if we want to cover each one individually. I think that might be. I don't know. Should we cover the first you, three first? I think you split it up in the original trilogy of movies and then, and then the other the two. Next one being the other two. Yeah, that sounds sensible. And then the eventual revisit to the final installment that's coming, was supposed to come out this year, but it got moved to next year. Damn you, COVID. Uh, 
yeah. So okay, so JP's next then. I'm I'm excited to, to revisit those. It's been a while since so I've really watched them all. Although the first one I watch a lot, but the other the other ones I haven't really watched too much lately. So that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, you did bring up Back to the Future. I have to confess, I've never seen those movies. That is blasphemous, sir. I know. Uh, there's, 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 <laughs> those are fighting words. Uh, thank you, Kendall. We you know, it's, you thank you, Kendall. it's not thank like... You, it's not like uh, I'm intentionally avoiding them or say they're not good. There's a handful of movies that I know everybody has has seen or should see and or love, and I that's one of them. You know what, Dan? I have to feel honored because you watched Time Travels before you watched Back to the Future, so th- thank you. You watched me before before, before a Zemeckis Spielberg production. Thank you. That's right. I appreciate you know, that. Why watch Back to the Future now? What's the point? <laughs> hey, you know, if you got your time travel fixed with mine, be my guest. Never watch Back to the Future. That's good. I got I'm a couple that. movies I want to throw into the mix here at some point, though, that we could do a retrospective on. Okay. What do you got? Oh, Boondock Saints. Mm. Hmm. Well, there's only two of those. We can cover both of those in one in one episode. That was another one where I was really bummed about the sequel. I was really disappointed in it. Also, I'm, I don't know I'm when the last bummed. time you... Go ahead. I'm more bummed about the fact that we still haven't gotten anything about a third one. Because mm-hmm. there was supposed to be a third movie. Well, with Norman Reedus tied up with Walking Dead with another series after this one with uh, with Carol, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, That show's still going, huh? Last season well, coming I think up. This is the last season coming up, yeah. Yeah, yeah, last season cool. coming up. Um, and then I know uh, Jeremy also mentioned uh, Terminator as well. So, oh yes, mm-hmm. yes. And if Kendall, you're still watching, we all know that story with you and Jeremy and the butting of heads. <laughs> yeah, Terminator. We definitely got to do Terminator because uh, there's a lot to talk about in the Terminator universe, and we, we want to talk about different universes and different storylines. That one's full of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if we don't include. Terminator the Sarah Connor Chronicles, then we're not... What's the point? Have you guys seen that? The Fox show? Uh, I mean, I've watched the first season, and I didn't watch the second because it got canceled after that. (sighs) Yeah, it was just picking up in the second season, too. Yeah, I I was disappointed to hear that. It's like the Sarah Connor Chronicles. I highly recommend it. It'll break your heart. It's kind of like if Firefly didn't have a follow-up movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was disappointed if that show got canceled because I thought it actually had a lot of potential, and I thought it was actually, from what I heard, it was actually getting better as it well, was on longer. There was just storylines that they had been hinting at the entire series that in the finale of two you finally get a glimpse of, and you're like, "Here we go!" And then my dad was like, and it's oh, like by the way, they canceled it." <laughs> <laughs> assholes. It, I mean, it had Lena Headley. She played Sarah Connor. Uh, yep. It had Summer Glow, who played Cameron, one of the... Well, you just got to go watch it. It's... River from Firefly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good, yeah. It, was, it was a good show from what I saw the first season. I was disappointed it got canceled because I thought it had a lot of potential. Yeah, very good. But, uh, and the Allstate Insurance so... guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 All right, so with that, uh, we've got the lineup of the next few things that we're going to be doing here with uh, JP coming up after our... JP! matrix retrospective 
Uh, I think after that, we'll probably move into Terminator. I think so. And then we got to go back to the future, maybe because of because of Dan, because he's got to watch him. He's got to watch right. him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, I, would anyone else have anything to add? No, I think that's a wrap. Cut, Cut. and print. <laughs> <laughs> We're never Every gonna get it right. Time. We're never going to get it right. I don't know who was supposed to say. I tried to end it before we went off the rails. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. We'll see you on Revolutions. That's a wrap. Cut and print. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. And coming soon, the final part of our Matrix retrospective as we cover the Matrix Revolutions. Also, over the course of this month, be on the lookout for more retrospectives and podcast episodes. To read more of our reviews and listen to our podcast, go to lcareviews.com and subscribe to our podcast on all major platforms. Thank you for listening to the Lights, Camera, Action Entertainment Reviews Podcast.